0: Welcome to the Minnesotan Pod. Today we have Hobie Baker winner 2020 Scott Prunovich with us on the phone uh, from St. Louis. Is he... T- embarks on his first NHL training camp. We're going to go back in time, uh, back to Hibbing, Minnesota, to hear about his youth career, uh, his high school career, and what a whale of a uh, post-high school career he's had starting in Cedar Rapids at UMD, World Juniors, and everywhere in between. Should be a great show. Hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy our pods, make sure you check out the Minnesotan up in White Bear Lake. You can go to their store. It's like a museum of Minnesota vintage stuff. If you're looking for great first-class stuff, uh, vintage wear, Minnesota where you name it they got it check it out go online you can use YHH as a a discount code for 15% off or ask for it in store hope you enjoy today's pod love is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire, I fell into a ring of fire. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Perunovich. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Well, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you. Uh, uh, very busy schedule, getting ready to become a professional hockey player. You probably are a professional hockey player. Have you signed a contract yet?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think I... Not sure the exact date I signed, but, um, you know, a few months ago.
0: How did that feel, becoming a pro?
1: Yeah, that was, um, you know, definitely exciting. Um, Something every kid kind of dreams about. So, um, you know, it didn't set in for a while that I actually signed it. So um, very exciting for me and my family.
0: Yeah, it's probably exciting because in an odd COVID year we could go through and do an entire pod on the COVID part of hockey, but you're you didn't get to go home for Christmas. You went down to St. Louis and been training and uh you've been down there ever since since early December. Tell me a little bit about that being away from home.
1: Um, yeah, I mean it's definitely tough, you know, being away from home, especially over the holidays, but um I'm living with uh, Justin Falk and his fiance Chloe, so um, you know we had a Christmas year with us three, and um, they made sure that I had stuff to unwrap under the Christmas tree, and you know I got him a few gifts too, so it's just been um, great. And they really took me in and made me feel a part of the family. That guy,
0: I've I've gotten to know Justin from work, his uh, off-season workouts over at MAP in the summer, and he's just a clown. I mean, in a good way. He's keeps I, he's kind of guy keeps the locker room loose. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, he does, and he does here too. So he's definitely, a, you know, a great mentor to have, especially early off in my career. So I'm, I'm lucky to be, you know, living under the same roof as him. Ah, that's pretty cool. All
0: right, let's go back. Uh, I know you're a little, maybe a little homesick, but let's go back to to Hibbing really quick and just just walk through growing up in Hibbing. Uh, where where do you get a game in Hibbing? Are you an outdoor skater? Is it all played in inside at the Memorial Building? Uh, walk through a, a youth hockey uh, winter for you when you were growing up.
1: Um, youth hockey. I guess kind of, you know, might squirt. Um, you know, we're at the Hipping Fairground Arena.
0: We're gonna um, talk about my... that. We're gonna talk about that gem <laughs> in a minute. That is an awesome rink, by the way. Keep going. I had
1: uh, my dad was you know my coach growing up. Jimmy, awesome, right? That. Yeah, yeah. He was always you know around part. He was kind of uh, you know, the guy that everyone loved around the rink. He was you know the funny guy. So I was lucky um to have him you know on the bench behind me and he was you know one of the best coaches I've ever had I've never no matter how you know bad I played or anything happened I never hear anything about it he just asked me if I had fun and how I thought I played and that was it so I never had you know any pressure from him whatsoever I had the opposite of pressure from him so you know after games or stuff I Go down to the Greenhaven outdoor rink with, you know, everyone, all my buddies, all my teammates, basically everyone who played hockey would be at that rink. And, um, you know, my dad would come down every now and then, too, and basically be there, you know, every day after school and then after practice till about nine o'clock when they shut the lights off. You know, there'd be a few of us and, you know, some some of my coaches there, Pat Iozo, Ryan Hannigan, we'd all we'd all be out on the outdoor rink, and I think, um, you know, that played a big role in in my career for sure. Um,
0: so you're the youngest in your family, correct? Yep. Uh, you have a sister and a brother, and, and I, it's so funny, I follow you on social media, and, and they seem to always be giving each other a hard time. Is this is this pretty true at the house, too? You're probably just getting out of the way of those guys?
1: Yeah, we definitely don't hold back. We kind of <laughs> feed each other a little bit. But, um, it's all in good nature and, um, you know, me and my brother definitely give it to each other quite a bit, but he's also, um, you know, a big reason for my success, you know, growing up, no matter what I was doing, I'd be doing it with him, whether it was playing catch or, you know, playing tennis in the backyard on some concrete or playing basketball. He always pushed me and, um, you know, I always wanted to get better to kind of fit in with him. He was a few years older than me and a little bit better. So, um, you know, he also helped me become a way, way better athlete. And I think that if I don't had if I didn't have him, um, I wouldn't be, near where I was right now oh that's pretty cool
0: I want to talk about your dad a little bit that that, this is not part of the the plan here but it's kind of interesting how he said you said he never really criticized you he kind of just let you do whatever you want do you think that kind of plays into the style of game because let's just be honest you play that a very freewheeling style of hockey and we're just great to watch really fun to watch I told friends of mine you got to see this guy play he's a blast to watch is that a little bit due to your dad or is that just more you you think
1: well, I think it's for him for sure. You know, you see um, some of these parents that put so much pressure on their kids, you know, especially at a young age, um, and that doesn't help whatsoever. That only hurts them. So um, I always had the confidence that, you know, if I messed up, if I had a bad game, he would he would always be there in my corner, you know, making me feel better, saying, you know, the most important thing is to to have fun. So he definitely made the game way more fun and way easier for me to play.
0: So come let's fast forward to your Bannum year. Uh, I kind of knew who you were through cousins, uh, second cousins, Luke Perunovic and and Ben Permich down in Edina. So I kind of knew who you were. And someone mentioned you got to go see this kid play. And you were a second year Bantam for Hibbing, and I, I it was it was like watching. And, and take this, the I think I said during the broadcast, he reminds me of Scott Niedermeyer from the Anaheim. Ducks, which is a really high praise and somewhat crazy to say, but now it's not such a crazy comparison. Do you think?
1: Um, I think I have a lot of way, you know, a long way to go to get to that. But um, I'm kind of doing everything in my power to just become a better player and um, give myself the best opportunity. Just doing kind of a lot of extra stuff away from the rink and at home that um, you know I should have been doing. Years ago, but you know, I'm starting to do it now, and my body's starting to feel better and kind of feeling more comfortable about everything. So,
0: oh, that's great! So, the Bantam year, you guys played. Now, see if I got this right. You guys played a style way different than anyone else. Where where you were like long range, long bomb passes. uh, Just a really open style of play that frustrated a lot of opponents. Even some of the top double A teams couldn't get their hands on you guys. Do you remember that team very well at all?
1: I do actually. Yeah, I had um, you know Pat Iozo and Ryan Hannigan as our coaches and. Um, you know, they coached in PVs and they moved up with us. They're always at the outdoor rink and um, you know, they definitely helped me. I mean, I'd be on the ice way after with them. We'd open up the rink and you know, we'd go there with a the few of us too, everyone to go and they just work on stuff too. So we had a lot of special players on that team and um, you know, they coached us really well and you know, played that kind of fun style of game where um, you know, it just kept working for us and we were playing some of the best double teams in the state as, you know, a small single-A program, and um, they definitely – a lot of that goes to them too. They did an unbelievable job, you know, with our, with our group for sure.
0: I remember packing my camera into this goofy little rink over at Wyzetta to watch you play and it was like it was the best money money I ever spent that day it was like it was like a two to two game back and forth they had a ton of great players you guys had a ton of great players it was a exciting game to watch Um, any other recollections from that season from uh, from Bantams before we jump into high school stuff
1: I actually remember yeah you were at that game I think we ended up talking after yeah for a couple Um, minutes yeah no that was great that's when you kind of you know came into the scene with me and I mean, you've been following me now for over a decade, probably. (laughs) Close, yeah. It's been been a long time, so you've kind of always been in my corner and helped me get my name out there in the cities, too, for sure. So um, I think another recollection I had is we were playing Grand Rapids in Bantams, maybe, and um, we ended up losing, but I thought I had a pretty good game, and um, the opposing coach, who I knew, Grant Clafton, walked over the walk over to our locker room and um, kind of pulled me out and just talked to me. Um, So that was pretty special. I knew who he was. And um, that was probably one, uh, one of my more memories from there. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So let's
0: move into high school. You play elite league probably for Grant all three years, correct? Or two years for Grant?
1: Yeah, I played in the development league my first year with Grant. Yep. Um, and then I don't know how many years I played in the elite league after that, the actual league, but that was also for Grant too. So, um, you know, we had a, we had a really fun group and once again, a lot of good buddies on there. I, I know, um, I had some buddies from Hermantown, Cole Kepke and Wyatt Amit, and I would drive up to Hermantown and we'd all hop in the car and, um, you know, head down together. We'd stay in a hotel together a few weekends and we had such a blast. Um, One memory from me lately I actually have is, um, we were packed in a locker room. So me and a few others went into this like kind of closet place (laughs) in between periods. Like that's where we were getting dressed and that's where we were trying to think who it was. I think me, Wyatt um, Omid, Cole Kepke and maybe uh, two others. Yeah. And after the first period, we went into the, into our little cubby area and, um, the second period started and no one came and got us Oh so my God. about eight minutes went through the second period and we had no idea what was going on. No, we didn't. So we walked in the locker, but no one was there and we all walked up to the glass and the game already started. The second period started. So we missed about half the second period and we are just sitting at the door and then we, we all came out. So that was, that was kind of funny. Well, they, were they mad or were they worried? No, they just kind of forgot about us. I know Grant kind of, Grant kind of gave it to me. We kind of gave it back to each other a little bit. He's a good friend and, um, you know, he looked at me and he was just like, What are you doing? And I was like, What are you doing? You're the coach, why didn't you get us? So we kinda had a good laugh about that, but oh, I that's think we, good.
0: Were, that's good. we ended up winning the game
1: and we had a good season. So
0: Well, you had a great year that year. And it's so funny is I remember you had thirty three points and when I was doing the research it all it just came back to me weird. You like DM'd me or texted me saying, What's the record for most points by a defenseman in the elite league? And I'm like I cannot prove that you do not have the record for most points in the Elite League. 33 points. Do you remember that exchange?
1: Um, I do. I was actually driving in the car with Morton um, Cole driving up. We made a few pit stops like we normally did. And... Um, yeah, he was, why he was asking me. And I was like, I have no idea. And he told me to ask you. And I was like, well, if I'm going to ask, it's probably
0: you. So, yeah, I did a little research. Not like I went, well, whatever, kid. I like dug and dug and dug, did my best. And I could not find anyone who had any player who had more points in the registered statistical. Uh, or years of that, and that's pretty cool, and then what a great kid, I mean, I, uh, Wyatt Amit, you guys played together, and you've known him, I know you guys are buddies, tell me about him, what's, what's what makes him such a great player, uh, or a good friend, Wyatt? Well,
1: I just grew up, you know, playing against him, we were friends, um, you know, he, he comes up to my cabin up north every now and then, you know, we hang out in the summer, um, he's a great hockey player, he's, built like a horse. So yeah. He's got about a 250-mile-an-hour slap shot, so I think that's where a lot of my assists came. He's on really right. nice. the point. I just put it right in his wheelhouse, and he'd do the rest. So um, we definitely had a lot of fun as D partners during that year. So um, we also had an unbelievable team. We ended up winning it that year. Yeah. So we just had a you know, great bunch of guys in the locker room, and we had so much fun every single game. So that definitely... You know, it was a great experience for me, and I'm lucky to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, all right. And then let's just finish off that, that junior year of high school. We named you a Player of the Year finalist. I think that was the Riley Tufte and Casey Middlestat crew of guys. Um, walk through that season. You guys only lost three times that year, and you drubbed teams. Um, do you have fond memories of that team? Because that was the last year you played with your Hibbing boys.
1: Um. Yeah, you know, I don't think – now we really played the best competition that yeah. year. I think we kind of had a watered down schedule and, um, you know, we were winning games by a bunch, but we weren't really playing um, great competition throughout the year, which I mean, I guess looks good on paper, but doesn't really help you towards the end of the year. Um, yeah. You know, you have Hermantown whose schedule is all double A top, top teams. So um, I think that's why they have the success that they do um you know they'll take their losses to you know duluth east and you know why all that yeah, yeah yeah so it's like they're you know they lose these games by one but they get so much more out of it than when we're beating you know a team eight nothing so i think um yeah we had a we had a great record in regular season but um had a tough time against Hermantown. Yeah,
0: seven rip and eight rip. I mean it was like it was they put the exclamation on you at the end there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they should have, you know, they we were had a 22 and three record or whatever it was. And, you know, they really took it to us.
0: It's so funny. You look at those teams, we could just do another pod on those guys, that team, the 16 team that finally broke through, they killed everybody. So you have nothing really to be ashamed of. And you know, so many of those players from that team. I mean, it was probably pretty hard to lose, but you probably had to tip your hat to them as well.
1: Yeah, no, I know, you know, I knew most of the guys on the team and they're all, you know, great players and great people and still great friends that I talked to today, so I'm super happy for them. Obviously, I give them a hard time about moving up to AA, but you yeah. know, we kind of have our uh, you know arguments back and forth, but it's all you know all fun.
0: good fun. Uh, I missed this one. We went. I got ahead up to the 2016 pretty quick. But you played in the Ivan Halinka. That's that's the first time you represented uh, your country. You got to put on a USA sweater. Uh, play. You you traveled to Europe to play hockey. What was that like as a 15, 16 year old kid to to do that?
1: That was definitely an experience. You know, I was young. My family ended up coming out uh, to Slovakia to watch too. Um, I was young and I didn't have a ton of confidence there. Um, and I think my play definitely showed that I didn't have a, you know, a great, great week and I wasn't, um, you know, playing my hockey, but um, I think that also helped me a ton too, just kind of realizing what I needed to do and, how I needed to play. So that was a, uh, you know, that was a fun experience and met some great guys there too. That's the cool part though, about,
0: you know, hockey development. You're in, you're going through that, another phase of it right now, uh, training with all the St. Louis blues players, many San- Stanley cup winners. Uh, that's part of the process though, right? You're, you're in Europe and you're not comfortable. Uh, you're not, obviously you said you weren't playing great, but it, it taught you many, many valuable lessons. What was one of them that you, you did learn when you were there?
1: Um, I think just having confidence. If you don't have confidence, you know, in your play, you're, it's going to show and, you know, you're not going to be making the plays you want to make and um, just having confidence out there and trusting your abilities that you have. And um, another thing I have is, you know, I was young and a lot smaller and kind of had a lot to do off the ice, you know, in the, in the weight room and stuff kind of to help put myself in a better situation to be out there you know we had great players and a lot of big bodies too but I think you know if you have you know a bad game or a bad week or whatever it is there's you know it's not all negative you can take positives from all that and you kind of don't want to dwell on it for too long you know you can be upset but you kind of have to turn that into motivation and you know look at the bright side of everything and you know, learn from
0: it. It's so funny, Sid, about, you know, young and, you know, Im, you know, immature physically. I remember that winter I interviewed you for the player of the year and I interviewed Tufty probably, like, two days apart or maybe even the same day, I'm not sure. But one of my takeaways was he was giant. He was, I, I, like, my neck hurt looking up at him. He was so big. And then you are you were, like, I looking down, I was, like, looking at a Bantam. Uh, yeah, but, he was, <laughs> like, 6'9", and
1: I was, like, 3'9". nine. <laughs> But, you know, it's
0: never slowed you down. It's never people, you know, they've always said, oh, he's just too small. Has that been a motivation for you or or is it just you just kind of let your game be your game?
1: Well, it's a motivation for sure. And I'm also, you know, going to play my game. I, um, you know, heard that growing up at every level that I was too small. And, um, you know, from a lot of people, the only person I didn't hear from was my family. And, you know, definitely my dad and a few coaches, you know, for sure. But, um, you know, my dad helped me through all that, too. Um, I ended up trying out for the high school team as a second-year Bantam, and I ended up getting cut from it. Right. And um, Yeah, I got cut from it. And, um, and then you turned out to be a high school
0: player of the year finalist, so I think they probably figured out that was a bad decision, right?
1: Yeah, and then, um, you know, I remember going out, driving out to my cabin right after I got cut with my dad. It's about a. 25 minute drive and I was just so upset and you know crying and couldn't even think and once again you know he was there for me and made me feel way better about everything so he's just always been in my corner and you know the best guy you can possibly have
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's great stuff. Uh, All right, so let's move on to your senior high school. You decide to leave uh, Hibbing and go to Cedar Rapids for your senior year and play juniors in the USHL. Um, Go through the decision to to leave high school.
1: I was committed to UMD at the time, and, um, you know, I kind of realized, you know, about the competition that we were playing and, um how I wasn't really growing as a player you know winning games eight nothing and not really having to you know play my game and put in 100% effort and um coach Sandlin really wanted me to leave too so at that point um talked to my you know my family and once again my dad told me to do whatever I wanted to do and put no pressure on once again but um I think that um, was the right decision, um, playing against some better competition. Um, You know, I wasn't putting up 60 points or whatever at Cedar Rapids and, you know, playing 45 minutes a night. But um, it definitely um, was the right decision. It's
0: crazy to think, uh, I look at your stat line here in Cedar Rapids, it was it wasn't great. Um, that's six, an understatement. Six goals, 15 assists, 21 My My point of this is, like, that's your senior year in high school. And then next year, you're the freshman of the year in the NCAA. Did you see that coming?
1: No, I did not at all. I actually got the green jacket in uh, the USHL for the worst plus minus. I think I was, like, minus 39 or something. We, had a, we struggled. We struggled definitely as a team, you know, during all, during the season. Um, but once again, you know, I didn't want to do on that. I kind of wanted to take, um, you know, all the takeaways from it. I did a bunch of film, you know, after every game, I watch all the film and see what I was doing wrong. And, um, after the season was done, I, uh, I wanted another, I wanted another year in Cedar Rapids. Um, but Salen did not. So once again, I listened to him, which always seemed to be the right decision. So, um, you know, we, Talked for a while and he told me that I'm coming in. So um, I ended up, you know, coming in a year earlier than I wanted to. And, um, you know, wor- it worked out.
0: Yeah, I think it worked out pretty good. So, it, it walk. let's walk through Sandy's, I'm guessing, the re, his reasoning was to get you out of, uh, he wanted to get you into some tougher competition, so the USHL was the best option. Then you got there, and it wasn't the best situation. I mean, you were playing forward for it, it, uh, at least, I, I, sorry, I, I, I followed you quite a bit. I was like, how is this guy doing down here? Because he would have been one of the top seniors in high school in Minnesota, so I kept an eye on you, and I was like, oh, he's not doing that great. Like you said, the minus 39 thing. Uh, did you get out? because it was a bad situation or did he want you because he knew he could do better he could do better with you up there
1: yeah they came to a few games and um he just said that i'm i'm ready you know for college and another guy i talked to quite a bit was um davy johnson from hipping Mm -hmm. who's adam johnson's dad and he knows a lot about hockey and i would talk to him and he told me that i was ready too so you know they both believed i was ready and i didn't but i trusted them and you know, Sandy um, watched, watched some games and kind of knew my, my style of play and knew that, you know, the coaching staff could kind of coach me into the player that I, you know, kind of became there.
0: That's great you brought up about Johnson because he's one of my favorite hibbing guys. I mean, he was just such a great player. He played in the USHL forever um, and then did great at, at UMD as well. Did you guys have a good family relationship?
1: Yeah, we knew it. Yeah. We, um, his dad actually is probably the best skate sharpener in the world. So that's where I brought up my skates all the time. He changed, um, um, how sharp they were. So he brought me from, I think a half inch to about an inch. Right. And I never, you know, questioned him. He just told me what to do. He, I had it in my skates and uh, you know, I got them sharpened from him for years. So, um, we have a good family
0: relationship. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, all right. So you get there freshman year, um, unbelievable year. I mean, this is like a fairy tale of your life, right? I mean, um, your team does does is does okay. You take third in the in the in the NCHC, but halfway through the season you go play in the world juniors with a lot of your buddies. I mean, you know a lot of these guys now whether they're through uh juniors or or youth hockey in Minnesota or whatever. You had a lot of friends on that team. I bet you couldn't wait to get the Buffalo.
1: Yeah, that was that was definitely an experience for sure. That was so fun met so many great guys and, you know, coaches. Um I remember cuz I never got invited to any of the trials or anything. And, um, which, you know, was fine. I wasn't, you know, getting too negative about that. And I remember Sandlin telling me probably five games into the year, you know, to keep playing and I'll be on the team. So I just kind of kept doing my thing. And then sure enough, he told me that, you know, I was getting invited to the last tryout and I ended up, um, making the team and, you know, had a ton of other UMD guys on the team too, which was great for, you know, the program and us. Um, So that was Definitely an um, unbelievable uh, feeling ended up ending up making that team and going out to Buffalo with a bunch of buddies and, you know, playing that outdoor game.
0: Yeah. Let's got to walk through the outdoor game. I mean, people forget you guys didn't win the world juniors, but, you, but if you could go back, I bet a lot of people like look like, oh yeah, I remember they beat Canada in a shootout in the snow game. I'm like, but that was such an unbelievable game. Um, walk through your memories of that game.
1: Yeah, we, uh, you know, I remember going out for ski a few, you know, days before, maybe a day before, and the ice wasn't great, so we were kind of worried about that, but uh, staff did a great job at, of making sure it was ready. Um, you know, it was cold, it was windy, it was snowing, we had, you know, built-in heaters in the bench, and, um, you know, so my family... wasn't said, very cold, though, so you're no, saying... No, no, okay. yeah, we had heaters, right, coming through them, so that was great. My family was there, my girlfriend game um and we just had so much fun that game was an unbelievable experience and to be able to you know, come out on top was, you know, a great feeling.
0: All right. So walk through the week. Cause we're, we're, we're right. We're recording this during the world juniors right now. It's, it's a long haul. It's 10 days. If you get into the championship game, what walk through that process of, you know, you're excited, you know, like for, for NCAA tournament, you're two games, two games a weekend and you're done, you know, high school, you two, three games. It's almost like a big, long youth hockey event because you're two days on one day is off. I mean, walk through the grind uh and and trying to stay you know grounded
1: yeah it's a long it's a long tournament for sure but um you know i my roommate was dylan sandberg and um we sure made the most of it you know we had a ton of fun in the room always and he actually just sent me a few videos from uh from uh our hotel room a year ago or whatever and yeah you know we played card games and had people over, and it was, you know, so much fun and such a good experience.
0: Well, you got a lot of memories with Dylan, that's for sure, just the last couple of years. Um, so we walked to the World Juniors. Do you remember the, the, the Sweden game? I mean, they they were an unbelievable squad, too. What 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 gave you the most trouble playing in Sweden in that semifinal?
1: Um, I think they were, you know, they were a really fast team. Um, I don't think we played um, our best game, and think uh, of some bounces that I would like to, um, but they were definitely, you know, had a ton of skill and a ton of speed. So that was kind of something new that um, I wasn't used to. So that was probably the main thing.
0: Right. Okay. So let's fast forward through the, the your freshman year. You just absolutely explode that year. Um, you're now, now a household name in, in the NCAA world. Uh, you become NCAA freshman of the year. Um and you guys win a national championship. But I want to talk about the game down in Sioux over in Sioux Falls against Mankato State, what that went to overtime. What are your rec- recollections of that uh, before you guys got to the Final Four?
1: Um, my recollection was that we knew it was going to be a real tough game. We knew that they were really good. Um, I think we ended up scoring in overtime. Yep. And they called it back. Yes. And, um, you know, our Captain Clutch Parker Mackay came up big. I think he scored the yep. you know, game winner. He had a few of those. So he kind of, you know, always came through in the big moments and really saved us there and took over. So that was you know, that was my memory of that game. All
0: right. Uh, and then the national championship, I mean, how much better you get to go beat two big ten teams, uh, basically on your home ice in Saint Paul. Uh walk through that whole weekend.
1: We definitely had you know that was an unbelievable feeling. You know, going out to games, we had the red carpet, we had all our fans. You know, our band and everyone. You know, walking through, giving high fives. Um, it was just so much fun and such an unbelievable experience. Um, I'm trying to think, we played the first game. Do you know? Uh,
0: you beat. Uh, I think it was Notre Dame, then Ohio State, right?
1: Ohio State. We played Ohio State. I think. And then Notre I mean, Dame. Won- yeah. We beat Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Notre Dame. Then Ohio yeah, State. Those sorry. Were- some crazy games. I remember the Notre Dame game, Um, you know, just the feelings that um, UMD won it in 2011 there, you know, and we were up next and probably one of my best feelings of my life is when we were in the tunnel getting ready to go out for the game. Um, You know, we were all just kind of sitting in there and all of a sudden, you know, that whole crowd burst into a UMD chant and, you know, I was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my entire life, you know, just chills. And, um, you know, I still remember that vividly. And I was like, this is, you know, the coolest thing that I've ever been a part of and to be able to come out on top for our fans and, you know, go afterwards and, celebrate it was with
0: everyone it was it was just so much fun yes owned 7th street that night it's the whole town of like the entire anyone who was umd was at that on 7th street that night it's pretty cool yeah oh we've wait, 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 one more detail on this do you remember how you guys got into the tournament remember how close you were it was like minnesota and umd and minnesota did something with penn state do you remember that day
1: yeah we were riding on the bus and I think six teams needed to win in order for us to get eliminated. And one by one, they'd win, they'd win, they'd win. And then I think we came down to like the final two teams. The second team won. So it was up to one team that we needed to lose and they ended up losing. And, you know, we kind of just went crazy. And um, that was definitely nerve wracking for sure. Um, You know, but we got in and um, we've made the most of it. I'd
0: forgotten about that detail. Um, okay, so another one here. Now, next year, uh, your second national championship. Um, kind of an interesting story. Um, again, you have a tough uh, first-round game with Bowling Green, an uh, overtime win. Do you remember that game in Allentown, Pennsylvania? Have you ever been to Allentown, Pennsylvania before?
1: <laughs> I have not. That was my first time, but uh, we had a good setup at the hotel connected to the rink. and um, Okay. Cool. We ended up, you know, I think winning that game in overtime. I think that might yep. have been Parker again. I'm not sure who it was, but if I had to guess, it'd probably be Parker. He scored all of our big goals. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun game and you know a fun week for sure.
0: And then you go back to Buffalo, where you had been for World Juniors and win a national championship. Walk through winning that title. Probably not as not as glamorous as winning, you know, at a sold out XL Energy Center, but still, title's
1: a title, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's hard to top the first one. Um, but we, um, you know, we always play our best hockey in playoffs. And um, we kind of just had that team that knew when playoff came that we had what, you know, we, we needed. Um, we were going to get the job done. We had great leadership. Um, and to be able to come out on top again was really crazy. To be able to go back to back and, um, you know, kind of do it all over again. was like deja vu. So that was definitely um, another unbelievable experience.
0: So you were walked through that, though. I mean, there there has to be something. You know, it just can't be luck. It can't be chance, right, that you guys won this back-to-back. You said we always played better hockey. But is there something that the coaching staff did or something that the players did or something that the equipment staff did or something there, uh, maybe the secret sauce maybe you want to unveil for us that might have been why you did so well that second year – um, like winning it to get back to back because it's tough.
1: Our leadership, for sure, it was our leadership. Um, who were some of know, those guys
0: that you you think of the leaders of that team? Maybe it was you. You were a sophomore now. Fresh,
1: you... Freshman year, it was Carson Kuhlman. He was, he was the leader. Yeah. Um, you know, we all followed him. And then, um, the next year, it was Parker and McKay and he, you know, he really took over, you know, whenever we needed him, he was the guy. And, um, He was just so clutch and, you know, we could always count on him all the time. So, and then another thing would definitely be our coaching staff. I think at the beginning of the year, um, we were never, you know, a great, great team. We were losing some games and um, we weren't playing our best, but, you know, after a season with our coaching staff, they kind of knew exactly what to do and when to do it. And um, by the end of the year, we were, we were ready to go.
0: All right, so after the second national championship, so fall of 19, did you ever have uh, premonitions of going pro before your third year?
1: Yeah, that was, um, you because know, you that was a uh,
0: national championships and you're an All-American. Do you have anything more to prove?
1: Um, I guess I just wasn't. I didn't have a great sophomore year. I was battling some um, injuries throughout the season that, um, you know, really kind of set me back, and I wasn't super comfortable, and especially jumping to the next level where you're at the top, and I was I wasn't feeling 100. percent uh, That was definitely probably the main reason why um, I decided to come back. Also, Sandy, um, you know, Sandy told me to come back. He said, you know, you need to get better at a few things, and he said come back when a when a Hobie Baker, and then then I can leave. That's what he told me at the beginning of the year when, you know, I was deciding. So, um, Did you kind of just
0: chuckle when he said that or did that something you probably saw Kale McCarr the year before and went, I can be that good. Um,
1: yeah, I was definitely, you know, questioning it, but wasn't chuckling with Sandy. You know, we were having a serious talk, so I'm not going to smile or laugh, but, um, when he said that I was just thinking like, you know, if I got him in my corner and him coaching me and the coaching staff and the team that I had, um, that was definitely um, a possibility. So I was just kind of um, getting myself prepared and doing everything that I could to, um, you know, set me up in the best possible position. So, again, you, you guys are
0: following the same Game plan. You aren't the winners of your division. I mean, each year you were third and second the previous years. Now you're second. UND is, you know, flying the flag for the NCHC. They're number one in the country. Probably playing the best hockey down the stretch. uh, They were. Uh, And I know you guys are thinking we can do this again. Who are the leaders of the team last year? I'm guessing you as a junior was one of them. Dylan's another one. Who are some of the guys that were leading? I
1: think we're all leaders. Um, you know, Chef. he didn't. He didn't talk much. He's kind of quiet. But when he when he did talk, he, you know, had everyone listening. Um, we kind of just had a bunch of guys that all would step up, and we had you know so many um, juniors. I think our junior class was. I'm not even sure how many we had. Eight or nine. Right. And then Mike ended up leaving. We might have had ten. Yeah. Um, but we just had so many guys that would step up, and um, you know, once again, we were kind of just playing our best hockey again. So we were. Um, we were really looking forward to playoffs. We were playing our best hockey, and you know, we had a bunch of guys in the you know in the locker room, a majority of them who have either won one or two national championships and knew what it took and um, had all the experience.
0: So you guys are lined up. You're going to Miami of Ohio's coming to town to play your first round. What where were you when you found out the season was going to be canceled?
1: We were in the locker room. Actually, Miami was uh, already in town. And uh, we were in the locker room when um, we found the news kind of just all around the place, you know, in the lounge and locker room and training room. And um, when, I, when the news came out, you know, just kind of seeing the seniors and, you know, how emotional they were, it was such a tough feeling, just kind of putting yourself in their shoes and knowing that, you know, their careers is over. Um, It was definitely um, emotional for everyone involved, Um, especially, I think, because we knew what we had in the locker room and we knew we had what it took. Um, So that was definitely tough. And on top of that, yeah,
0: you knew what you had in the locker room, but you also had you know a ton of memories too a ton of great feelings for each other you had like you'd said a lot of you guys were together and one national chapter two. so there's a lot of uh, you guys had a, have 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 done a lot together and it's to see that that you couldn't see it to the end is probably very difficult
1: yeah that that definitely was difficult for everyone for sure um you know especially when in the bat like previous two and, you know, going for a three which has only been done, I think, once or twice before, um, you know, many years ago. Um, that was just, you know, such a hard time. But um at the same time, you know, we're not the only ones affected by it. You know, millions of people and families and jobs and you know, lives are being affected to it by it too. So um yeah, but... obviously hockey's important, but it's you know, there's a lot more important things too
0: yeah that's the hard thing whenever i get frustrated myself about hockey and not being able to do tournaments i'm like wait 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 wait. there's people dying there's people you know losing jobs and there's losing people losing businesses and restaurants you see it every day it's you got to kind of take a take one for the team i guess is is the yeah for sure
1: i mean you know people don't know where the next meal is coming from from this thing so for us to kind of be that selfish and just you know obviously we want to play but you know, there's just kind of a bigger picture going on in the world right now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Walk through winning the Hobie Baker. Walk First of all, finding out you won. Uh, how did that go down? Who tells you? And because... I've never won a Hobie Baker award. Um, and two, walk through the banquet because uh, it was a little bit different. You know, you didn't, you know, there wasn't a big, huge banquet hall, I'm guessing, with all of your teammates and friends and family. Walk through that process. First, finding out, and second of the banquet and getting the actual trophy.
1: So finding out, um, I was at my cabin with uh, – when, when
0: was it? Was it in the summer? Was it, I don't even remember. I just remember seeing pictures of you with the trophy –
1: so was it in June? Uh, May? I don't Jeez, know. I don't even know when it was. Um God, I have no idea. I mean All i right, could probably sorry. find out. But um I was at my cabin with uh my family, my grandmas and my girlfriend and um, you know, a lot of a lot of stress. But um geez, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to say this, but uh I actually found out maybe 15 minutes before um, I got a call and um, from someone, I'm not, eh, yeah, I won't say who it is. And they told me and um, just told me like, if, no, they're telling me just so I know. And if I want to set up, you know, a video for my family's reaction. Um, So I ended up doing that. And all I remember is um, sitting around the TV and, John Grass opened up the envelope and announced my name and, um, you know, my mom started bawling. My grandmas were crying. Everyone was kind of emotional and um, it was definitely a great night. And obviously it's tough, you know, not kind of having that ceremony or or what they normally have, but um, being able to, you know, kind of share that moment with my family. Um, Obviously everyone's kind of going through a tough time and, kind of just being able to, you know, include them and bring joy to them during difficult times was, um, so worth it too. Just being able to be with them and have everyone kind of experience with me was so exciting. So you
0: were watching ESPN. Did you set up a video of it? And shoot? Yeah, I did. I did set
1: up a video kind of hidden in the corner of everyone. So I got that. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, You know, an an unbelievable moment. And just like I said, to be able to share that with my family and see the joy that, you know, they have, um, you know, had for me. It wasn't just for me too. like my family did so much for me, you know, growing up and being able to get me to where I am. So it was definitely a, you know, a family effort for sure that's you know that so for
0: the 15 minutes between finding out and 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 they announced me like grandma i think you're gonna want to come on and come on in here and watch this grandma come on did you do any of that or did it didn't take much no to get they them- were
1: they were already all glued to the tv um you know i was i was trying to play it cool you know i wasn't really <laughs> saying much um didn't want to give it away i think uh my girlfriend ended up Sort of catching on, but she didn't know for sure because I walked into the other part of the cabin and and you know talked on the phone about it and we came back. So, but I you know I did my best to keep it a secret. And um, when they announced it, I think I did a good job. They seemed pretty surprised. So,
0: so you face uh, your girlfriend had to have known something. Your face must have turned red when you either got a text or a phone call.
1: I thought I played it really cool. Did you? but she? Was, she asked. She asked what I was doing. I said I was on the phone. And then she just kind of looked at me and maybe could tell, I don't know, but... um,
0: (laughs) She's probably like, was it another girl you're talking to?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to make something up, right? She was wondering, so, but then, um, God, I think my brother might have caught on too, but once I saw their reactions, it looked like they were completely surprised, so. Oh, man, that's a good story. Man, I'm glad that we did this podcast.
0: Yeah. Like, this is good stuff. Um, all right, we talked about you're in your training camp. Just walk through a little bit about what you're facing today as a hockey player uh, for the last three weeks uh, being down in St. Louis. You've plenty of you played against plenty of good hockey players uh what's the step like what are you what are you looking at what's it looking at for you right now just from a development standpoint skating with the bigger stronger faster professional players
1: it's uh definitely you know the biggest jump i've ever taken by far just kind of seeing the skill that these guys have and you know seeing what they do on and off the ice taking care of their bodies and um just the skill that everyone has is just ridiculous and the plays that they make is like nothing I've ever seen. So, um, I definitely still have a ways to go and, um, you know, to be able to crack the lineup or, you know, wherever I am. So I'm just still trying to give myself the best opportunity. All
0: right. Um, got a couple more topics here. I wanted to talk about, uh, Jason Herter and Scott Sandlin, two guys that have had major influences on you in your career uh, so far in your development process. Um, one of the things uh, I've learned uh, doing these podcasts, any time I interview a, a former UMD player or coach, they always talk about Sandy's drills. He's got a drill for every situation. He's got He's a great practice coach. I mean, I'm sure he's a great game coach too, but walk through some of the practices, your memories of practicing with Sandy and, and how he can deliver a great practice.
1: Well, he's definitely, you know, intense, you know, everything we do he's intense. So if he doesn't like what he sees, he lets us know it for sure. Um, um, he's got, you know, they all have great drills and um, yeah, he always expects a hundred percent from you. And if you're not giving a hundred percent, um, he'll tell you and he knows, so not, not much hiding from him.
0: All right. And many say that Jason Herner was a big factor in developing, you know, recruiting players and, and kind of the back end genius of this uh, UMD uh, success run. Walk through your memories playing for Jason.
1: Yeah, Jason, um, you know, was the D coach, you know, him and um, the coaches split Kraus and Larson. Yep. Um, you know, they did drills with us after and um you know, definitely did film and stuff that, um, obviously helps, you know, with power play and penalty kill and D zone. So, um, just all our coaches, um, you know, played a huge role in, you know, our team success over the years and, you know, recruited players. Uh,
0: and then Brett too, as well. I mean, I know he left, uh, was he after your first year or second year
1: there? First year.
0: First year there. Uh, was he part of the recruiting process? Was he part of the process of your development as well?
1: Yeah, for sure he was. Um, you know, he's a great player. He's a fun guy. Um, I think, you know, he was part of the recruiting with me, but um, I think Derek Plant was kind of the main guy. When you were, um, yeah, I knew that, yeah. When I was, yeah, when I was in high school, he was kind of the guys, guy I would talk to. Um, but, yeah, they were just, you know, I owe all my credit to them, you know, just kind of develop me, developing me throughout college and, um, you know, making sure I'm getting better every day.
0: All right, let's wrap this up here. You know, you can't talk to a guy from the Iron Range uh, without talking about some of the, the history of the Iron Range. You know, growing up in Hibbing, um, you know, you, you had Scott, Scott Sandlin is obviously from Hibbing. Kevin McHale from Hibbing. Uh, Kevin McHale's from Hibbing. Uh, the Micheletti brothers are from Hibbing. Uh, Bob Dylan's from Hibbing. It's a pretty small town. And to think of all these legends there, uh, what was it like growing up there? Did you realize what a special place it was?
1: Yeah, I think I knew like the history of Hibbing, um, you know, and all the great people that came out of it um, and how kind of cool it was to be a part of that. Um, you know, Pat Micheletti was is probably still one of my biggest fans, you know, I've ever had. Um, uh, he's just always in my corner, even as a Gopher fan. He's, you know, he's always talking, talking to me and talking about me, you know, wherever he is. Um, which is great. He's got a cabin on my lake and um, Kevin McHale, just an unbelievable person. Um, You know, I actually just gave him a call a few days ago, um, just having him kind of talk to me about the process right now. And like when he went through it and just giving me tips and stuff, which is just, you know, unbelievably nice of him, you know, to go out of his way and, you know, kind of mentor me a little bit and he's, you know, if I have any questions I can call him and just kind of help me out through everything. So just to, you know, be able to have guys like that. I mean, they both came to um, my ceremony and hitting. I saw that. Um, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. That was, you know, be able to have those guys, you know, up there with me and, you know, taking pictures and being around was just so unbelievable, you know, having that, that support there.
0: It's funny, you know, you, you're growing up watching NHL network or NBC. You'd watch Joe Micheletti on the TV and you're like, that guy's from here.
1: Did that dawn on you at all? Yeah, no, my family, um, my parents know the Micheletti's pretty well. So, um, you know, we've been to their cabin and I've kind of known him growing up, obviously, you know, about him, but I didn't meet him till, you know, geez, I don't even know, probably five years ago, but he's always, you know, he tried to get me to go, to the Gophers, he was always, um, you know, a Gopher fan, but to have him, you know, kind of have all that love for me, you know, even being a Bulldog and um, just how highly he talks to me all the time is just, Unbelievable!
0: Yeah, that's pretty neat. All right, so let's go through. You know, you got the Virginia Miners Rink. You got the IRA. You got the Snake Pit. The Hippodrome. Um, we're going to leave a little section here for the memorial buildings. That's a it's a, a topic in of itself. But what was your favorite rink to play in when you are growing up outside of the hibbing Memorial Building up there?
1: Um, high school, it would be Grand Rapids. Um, they packed that barn to the ceiling. They had so many people in there. It was A crazy atmosphere for college or for high school hockey um you know we played them we ended up tying them which was basically a win for us you know having (laughs) all those people in there and how loud it got that was probably my um favorite place to play at besides the memorial building
0: uh, was there any of them that were just odd, like the Snake Pit having a goal judge over the goal, or, or you know, playing in International Falls where they had won so many state titles, or anything like that? Does any of that stuff sink into you when you're there?
1: Um, Greenway definitely has that you know weird rink with the goal goalkeepers or whatever on top. Um, I did not like playing there at all.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Um,
1: Greenway, you know, was pretty physical and trippy, so. Um, I definitely had to keep my head on a swivel plane against them. Um, so that was definitely a tougher place to play at. Um, Virginia has a great rink. The Hippodome is, you know, a super cool place to play at. Um, we just have so many unbelievable rinks, yeah. you know, up north that you can play at. It's pretty cool.
0: Um, I mean, the reason is, is that those are your district games when you're a kid. You go play in these buildings, right? Whereas, you know, as some a friend of mine says, well, a lot, you go to some of these rinks in the cities, and they look like a Best Buy. You know, it's there's just no character to them. Whereas you get yeah. there, every one of them has got character. It's pretty neat.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, just like the tradition that they have, the people that came out of it, and just kind of how cool, you know. Each building is, and um, it's definitely kind of a lot different from in the cities when you got lifetimes attached to them and, you know, stuff like that. So it's definitely pretty special that every every rink up north kind of has their own little history about it and, you know, players that come from them.
0: Well, it's been an awesome time spending some time with you, uh, reliving some of your glory days back in youth hockey and college hockey, and uh, it's been great – Great to talk to you. Uh, Good luck to you uh, this year playing, whether it's in the NHL or the AHL. I think you're going to do awesome.
1: Uh, Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it.
0: We'll talk to you later. Scott Prunovich from Hibbing, Minnesota to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Special shout-out to the Minnesotan. What can I say? It's a great store, one-of-a-kind, first-class stuff. Scott will be getting a gift sent to him from the Minnesota compliments of the Minnesotan. Have a great day.